Serial Entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to the Serial Entrepreneur podcast brought to you by Startups Magazine and me, your host, Anna Floggett. As part of celebrating women in tech and female founders, we are joined today by the lovely Kike Oniwinde, founder of the Black Young Professionals Network. I'm so excited to have you join us. How are you today, Kike? I am good. I'm good. Had a, an amazing blank holiday weekend. So uh, ready to just get back to work. Amazing. Great to hear. Now, before we jump into the deep questions, as I ask everyone, I'm going to ask you the same. What is your favourite cereal and why? You know what? I haven't had a cereal in a while, but it is my favourite cereal. It's called Crunchy Nut Clusters. Um, they're so good, but I think they're too expensive. Like you have like two bowls and like, you know, five pounds later it's gone and it's not that healthy, I guess. So I've been eating oats, but yeah, crunchy nut clusters are my favorite. Definitely an indulgence. I remember you used to like go and steal a few out the box when you were younger as a little treat. Steal a few out the box. The whole box is finished because of that. You know, there's never been enough in a box. (laughs) And now we're adults. We realize how expensive they are. So we're not going to eat them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Amazing. So, Kike, your story is pretty amazing. The Black Young Professionals Network aims, you know, to look at the glaring racial inequalities in the the modern business world. So before we kind of delve into all about your business, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background and your story. Yeah, sure. I guess I grew up in East London. Um, My kind of story is weird. It's always very much I was athletic and academic. So I did javelin at very high levels, like national champion, represented Great Britain as a junior as well. And I was also academic in the sense that I got like A stars at school, went and did an economics degree at the University of Nottingham, um, and then got a track and field scholarship to the University of Florida, where I also did my master's in management. So again, that kind of combination of the two. So I've always kind of felt it as like my identity, this athlete who's academic as well. And, you know, along that journey, I got a lot of like, bursaries, scholarships, internships, like banking, for example. So I felt like I got a lot of opportunities, whereas like maybe not many of my peers got the same opportunities. So it was only really when I came back from Florida, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter situation was happening then. Um, you know, I started working, like, you know, became a, a graduate um, and seeing the lack of diversity in the startup that I was in and even thinking back to the time when I was doing banking. And it just felt like, you know, there's a whole kind of issue here within the community for in terms of getting jobs, in terms of representation, like where are our black senior role models? I couldn't really see them. You know, they're not in the organisations. Like, you know, my identity, like I said, was very much on sports and academics, but it kind of felt like the only way of success as a black person was sports or music. So that I lean more to that identity because of, you know, that is success. But it was yeah. very much like, well, actually, you know, my time in America, I met a lot of incredible people out there as well that I would never have met. And I just felt like, you know, if I didn't get this scholarship, I would never have met them. There should be an easier way to know that these people exist. And I'm sure there's, you know, millions of us around the world that are doing incredible things, but we never get shown. The news is always very negative on the community, like, you know, knife crime, you know, like this problem and that problem. It's always bad news where you never really hear like, hey, this person's doing exceptional things or this person is behind the latest technological advancement. Like, even though these things are happening. So BIP was like my way of like, how do I find other like-minded black professionals around the world where we can come together and solve our own issues? A lot of corporates wanted to tap into it as well, to tap into the talent pool of black professionals. And so, yeah, literally, that's how it kind of all started. And since then, 
We've grown to nearly 50,000 members now across the world. And we work with a lot of the big corporations such as like Facebook, Netflix, Accenture. And we are essentially here to be the number one platform for all things black professionals. I always say we're just getting started. As far as I'm concerned, we haven't even done anything yet. Even though we've got a lot of like testimonials and accolades and all that stuff. But the problem's so huge um, that it is a journey and, and we are obviously still on that journey. Definitely. And you say that you've been doing it properly for about two years or so now, is that correct? Yeah, so I've been full-time for two years, but it's just maybe just over two years, because two years in June. For that, I was, you know, doing it as a side hustle for about a year and a half. Nice, nice. And how has it been received over the last kind of two years? I know you said you've got like 50,000 members and it's just the start for you, but yeah. Yeah, it's rocketed. It's a difference when you're full-time, right, versus it as a side hustle. As a side hustle, it was doing decent, like you know, putting on the events, was able to launch an MVP app, was able to grow social media. But, you know, it was, it was on the side whilst I was also training and working. Um, so it was a lot. And then when I went full time, it was like I was able to put all into it. I even stopped my sport, uh, mainly because passion kind of left and I got injured. When you put all that in and then you're also able to like hire team members and stuff like that, things definitely change and it, and it has and we've grown a lot. And you know, that's why you, even, you know, within this diversity world, you know, black founders don't tend to get funding much, especially black women, right? Because women, it, it, women don't get funding much. So you can imagine. So a lot of us in our community, it's side hustles and side businesses. And BIP could have very much been that for a very long time. So it's like how yeah. do we create these opportunities, you know, for those in the community as well. Definitely. And, and that leads really nicely on to my next question to you. Why do you think that there is such a problem when it comes to diversity in startups and the industry still? You know, it's just part of the wider issues, right, in terms of diversity. Like, every industry has got a big problem. So from finance to, you know, law to whatever, public sector, we've got a big problem. There's a lot to do with it. You know, there's a pipeline thing, but even without the pipeline, we do exist and we're not getting opportunities. So... What I mean by that is, let's say there are a lot of black professionals working, but they might be the only black person in the job. You know, they might go through microaggressions, being undermined, being underpaid, feeling like, you know, can they really go all the way in the organisation? Um, and then when you look to the senior level, there's no one that looks like you. So you're, is that very much awareness that you'd have to be that trailblazer? And not everyone is that. Not everybody can be the one to like, I'll be the one that gets to that top level and be the representation for others. It's a very difficult thing. And I think startup world is interesting because startup has always been around, but it's not necessarily an industry people knew of, right? Because we know of small businesses and businesses. And me growing up, I mean, I never knew about startup world, right? I was very much like finance, finance. And a lot of us was like finance, law, you know, those are the industries our parents knew of, right? And, you know, were saying get into that industry. And so a lot of people, like in my community, they might be in like more of the traditional companies or again, even if they are in startups, startups, there's one side of entrepreneurship and there's one side of like working in a startup. They do tend to pay a lot less, right? Require a lot more hours. They don't tend to have a set kind of designated route to you'll be this or you'll be that, you know, to get your promotion. So it comes with a lot more risk, you know, and a lot of our community can't take that risk because maybe we are the highest earner or the first, you know, person really working in the family after graduation so there's a lot to kind of take on board and then also on the entrepreneurship side of things like I said getting funding is very difficult and a lot of us again can't afford to just go full-time on our business you know and quit everything else because there's no safety net you know there's nothing some of a lot of the big companies that are here today 
their they had some sort of safety net right like all of them had a parent a relative they had seed money they had a small loan from someone so there's just so many things that you can break down and it's very frustrating and all of it needs solving and again a lot of it is through education on both sides so I always say you don't know what you don't know you know like I didn't know I could raise funding for my my company for example until I then found out I could yeah no definitely and obviously you know there's like two sides of the story with you because obviously you're helping founders and startups on their journey but then you're kind of going through your journey as well like you're a startup you're you're a founder you're facing these challenges yourself so my two questions to you are how did it feel when you finally took the plunge you know and you kind of gave it your all were you scared and have there been a lot of challenges for you finding the funding and finding the te- the team and finding the resources as a founder? Yeah, great questions. So I wasn't nervous when I went full-time. I was super excited, super pumped, super ready, and I really believed in myself and BYP. I just felt like, you know, if I had done this much in like a year and a half, maybe two years, working, doing my sport, you know, still representing England in Javelin, and then still bu- building this business all on my own, I was like, like, what can I do when I don't have all those things? Like, that was always my mindset. I've got this really nice kind of present that was given to me by someone who, you know, there was like a WhatsApp message where I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do when I'm not doing javelin, I'm not doing this, and it's just full business. You know, I was super excited and pumped about it. And I never looked back, right? Like, I love being full-time. And it's crazy because you devote a lot more hours. <laughs> like, you don't stop working, but the passion fuels you to just like, you know, do what you want to do. And it is nice, it's a nice feeling. Um, and I guess when I went full time, two things happened. One, I had about 30k worth of savings because I was thinking of like getting a house um, when I was, you know, some years ago. Um, and then I also won about £40,000 from the pitch competitions. All in one, you know, in one week, you know, it was like, well, I better go full time because it's been validated. And, you know, when I look at my own expenses, it was like, right, maybe £500 a month needs to be spent on expenses. But I pretty much don't need income I can just you know grind technically like that gave me the will to go full-time you know it was a, there was a lot of good energy around as well it was very nice it was like I was kind of pushed like there was a momentum to go full-time was well, not everybody gets that right some people just say like, I'm going full-time you know or it, they're just taking that big risk and I always say like you do need to have that cushion somehow you know I don't think I would have done I wouldn't have gone full-time at that moment if I didn't win all that money, like, I'm, you know, just to be quite honest. So I do think people need to have that. And yeah, so I was excited because it was all so exciting. I, you know, it was my first exposure into the VC funding, all that world, having meetings, you know, uh, winning pitch competitions. So having all those access to new networks, suddenly meeting like super cool people that I never knew I could meet. So it was just this whole new world. and It was really exciting at the time. So that was really, really nice. And of course, there's been so many challenges. Like, I think people is always the number one challenge for any company, startup, you know, scale up, whatever. And I think what it is, is that when you're in a startup, everyone's contribution matters so much. Like, you see the impact. So one wrong thing could just completely kill your company or one wrong hire can do that. And I think one thing I've found in this time is that BYP, we do very well in the sense that whatever we do gets a lot of recognition and notice regardless because it's so different and it's so like we're always trying to do big impact and you know we have big vision so for example our conference was huge you know we did this crowdfund again a huge like we're always trying to do huge initiatives that because part of the reason I do BIP is to show others that they too can go out and do something big that's why I do it you know that's I've always been quite honest about that like I'm showing you that hey this is my journey watch me on my journey so that you too can feel like, you can take that plunge if you want to, you know? 
okay oh there's a representation that we're looking for to know if i can do it and they would say whether we fail or succeed is beside the point you've seen i've tried that's the key so with BYP I always say we have a lot of good energy a lot of like grace great things happen and so it's easy for people on the team to kind of get quite entitled maybe is the word like feeling like oh that you know one document I sent is the reason for the success of BYP (laughs) it's you know obviously I'm exaggerating but that does happen and it's about finding that balance of like saying well done but also like you know I don't know the word but not gassing them up per se so we found that quite a bit also just not hiring right like maybe we needed someone more senior or someone who's done it before but we've hired someone junior because maybe we didn't have enough money right to hire the right person but you feel that impact it sets you back so much you know and then that's someone else you might have to let go of or just like you know you're being patient with and it just doesn't really work so that's something that I've definitely found that's partly why we raise as well so we can hire like you know more talent like we need more people more hands um, and people that have done it before, I think, is the key. Like, you want people that are smarter than you. So, yeah, it's a very interesting journey and, and you know, getting to learn more about yourself as a CEO as well, not just a founder, so... No, it's, it sounds like a really interesting journey to learn about. And, you know, you're very honest in the sense that you were like, you know, all these things that I've been through, I, well, we did this wrong or we might need to do this and look back. And, yeah, it's, it's a good role model for, for a lot of other businesses out there, like you said, you want to be. And talking about um, investment, obviously, at the very beginning, you said it's obviously difficult for females, even more difficult for black females. I think there was a recent stat that showed 0.2% of companies invested have a black female founder. That's awful. Tell me about your funding journey in a bit more detail. I know you said, obviously, you won the pitching competition. And then did you say you'd raised again since then? Was there any challenges you found personally being a black female? Do you think that affected your funding journey yeah great question so i, I won the forty thousand, forty one thousand, and then went full time and what was interesting because i had won that from three different competitions i got access to like three different networks essentially and so my first 150k raise was from one of those networks like the majority of them came from there and the, the other one came from the other network so that time wasn't actually difficult actually and, and it's the first time I was going through it I didn't necessarily know there's these stats so I'm not thinking oh my god don't bother Kike I'm just going right and so that wasn't too bad as it, it took me I'd say six months from which is standard from let's say I went full-time and then I'm on the money and then was networking and then put, had the money in the account so that took about six months which is kind of average and that was around 50 but I think in that period I was a lot of learning you know that was it was six months of learning I had to say no to certain things you know, like accelerator programs you know, that want equity and stuff like that. But when you're new, it, it might, it's so shiny. It's like, oh, maybe I should. Yeah. But then maybe your gut is saying no, or you've got all these, I had so many different advice and so many different people around me at that time as well. And it was like deciphering whose advice you need and who you don't. And I think that's a big thing on a journey, actually, like not taking too much advice because it's, it's always going to be conflicting and then you're going to doubt your own advice or your own kind of goals or tasks that you need to do so I think there was that period of learning in general and um, that then led me to raise that pre-seed and knowing the value right valuation that made sense and then I guess I knew I would have to raise again right like um uh, a seed round but what we did when we raised the 150 our focus that year was really on like revenue generation like figuring out how to make money as a company whilst also building tech as well and so by the time it got, like, you know, 12 months or 18 months later, this took us to the next round. But I think what's interesting about that whole journey was that, you know, we grew our membership, you know, we grew revenue, like quarter of a million in revenue or something. So we really kind of smashed it in terms of like where we were at, 
whereas not many companies even like are revenue generating, right? You know, so all of that we did, but, you know, raising money from VCs, I think is very difficult, you know, because again, they want to back that unicorn and there isn't, they haven't seen a black female founder who's done a unicorn company, mainly because they haven't funded them. So how you're going to see them. So they're pattern matching. They're looking, okay, this white man, white men are the ones that are, you know, making these unicorn companies. I think that's why it's so difficult. Because even if it looks amazing as a company and everything, it's like, hmm, we believe in it, but can she read? No one's ever done it that looks like her. And I think that's a part to play, you know, because they always come with the whole, oh, we're looking for this kind of ability to scale or da da da. Then you look at some of their portfolio companies, like, hmm. You know, I think that's been the difficulty in this journey. I think me personally, I haven't really... I haven't been a fighter in the journey. And what I mean by fighter is that I've kind of been like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to crowdfund. <laughs> and we, you know, raise a million dollars, over a million through crowdfunding, through the community, over 1,200 investors. It's like, if 1,200 investors can see our potential, I just don't know. <laughs> you know? So I think that's what it's been. I wouldn't say it's been difficult, because I wouldn't say I've tried hard enough to really go and speak to hundreds of VCs. But I spoke to a few amount. Sounds weird. I, I don't mind. It is what it is. I just need to build my business ultimately. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's good. It's good to see. And obviously, we've talked about the challenges that black female founders can face, obviously, in terms of investing. Do you think, as a black female founder, you faced any challenges along the way, not just focused on like funding, but has there been other parts of your journey that you felt kind of targeted is a is a harsh word but you know you felt like you might have been treated differently because you're a female because you're black because you're both you know what interestingly enough because of the business I do no because my business is very much like I'm a black woman helping black people black 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 (laughs) so it's very much is on the tin so those I engage with or deal with are those who understand that this is what they're getting from our services. So it actually hasn't been, if I'm honest, a big problem. I think we've had a lot of support from allies as well. And I think that's been incredible to see because some people think, oh, what if there was a white professional network? It's like, well, technically it's LinkedIn. You get those few things, but no, the journey's been pretty smooth. I think there's one one or two moments or of as a female you're in a meeting and someone's not addressing you, they're addressing someone else. You you know, that's standard for females. Not that it should be, but it is. My journey hasn't been difficult in that sense. I've been very much kind of like, this is what we offer, this is what we do. But I think it maybe if I was um doing some kind of, I don't know, fintech company or some SaaS company that had nothing to do with race, maybe, probably. But I probably wouldn't be able to do that company as well as I would want because you need a lot of funding for that, you need a lot of support and contracts for that so maybe but not right now if you're enjoying this episode then why not check out creative connections with rachel matthews a podcast exploring entrepreneurship creativity and the future of work they've featured founders creatives and experts to discuss topics from future proofing to automation leadership and even the link between sleep and innovation you can listen to their latest podcast episodes on spotify and apple podcasts by searching creative connections with rachel matthews and you can also follow them on instagram at creative connections pod and if you listen carefully there might be a familiar voice on there obviously that's the whole point of vyp you know helping the businesses and the founders that are struggling in that way you said to me previously obviously your mission is to change the narrative what do you and what does black young professionals want to see both short term and long term I think short term, you know, right now we're seeing, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. Obviously, I wouldn't say it's not dying down, but it is on companies' minds, a lot of companies now. I think we would have liked to have seen that a while ago, you know. I I think it's a bit 
frustrating that now they see it like as if we were never saying it existed um but we have to move past that and accept that okay now's the moment that they do see it so what can we do now i think short term it's like we don't like the performative activism where it's you know blackout days or something like that you know it's really put your money where your mouth is so whether it is obviously you you want to increase hiring are you spending with bip or is it an ad hoc budget we'll see if we've got budget for that you know is it like actually you're really making plans for retention for inclusion for all of this stuff or are you just like one unconscious bias training and we're done you know, I, I said this would be a year of employee activism. Obviously, I didn't know a pandemic will happen in Black Lives Matter. But I think that we are getting that, you know, in individual employees who are speaking out or speaking up or demanding more from their employers. Because I think we're just tired. It's just long. You know, even as I talk right now, it's just like, it's just every day there's another battle with another company or another situation, reminding people that our lives matter, another traumatic event, you know. Like, we just had Chadwick Boseman die from Black Panther, like, that's really painful. That's a really painful thing to happen to us again as a community. And I think it's just been a lot of trauma. And I think having employees that, that understand that and care, you ask, how are you? I mean, I've had members say that no one even emailed them, you know, no one even contacted them in their office during this whole climate. So that's hurts. So I think in the media, it's like care, real care, real desire for change, real actionable steps, real accountability, you know, like, I, we want to see that you are committed to making that change. The fact BYP shouldn't have to be here. We don't, we shouldn't be here because everything's fine. Like, the world is more inclusive. Organisations are more, you know, representative of their clientele, of the population, you know, of their cities. You, you know, a, a world where we can see black senior leaders proportionate, you know, proportionately. We can feel like, yeah, I got this job, you know, of, of merit or, you know, they didn't bypass my, my CV, you know, I'm in here and, I, you know, I'm listened to. There's so much, right, that we want long term, you know, and that all stems from the short term. And obviously the whole pipeline, that's organisations, but the education system needs changing, you know, like this whole situation that happened with the algorithm affected social mobility in general, and it's just like the fact we live in a world where government can think that's okay is scary to me. So it just feels like there's a lot that needs doing. And I think that in itself to me is prime example of change that needs to happen in government. Because if that algorithm stayed, those kids wouldn't get jobs anyway here because they didn't get the minimum requirement. They didn't go to the university. To... So it's like a whole pipeline or channel. That's what I mean. It's like there needs to be real systematic change or you know, systemic change from everywhere, to be honest. Yeah, of course. And obviously it's initiatives and, you know, businesses like yourself that are just one... Well, well, you're bigger than one stepping stone. You're amazing. But, like, you know what I mean? You're a stepping stone. It's not just ha- having a, a business, a network like yourself. We all have to be part of the change. It's, it's everyone's responsibility, isn't it? As a business, as the, the BYP, what has been your biggest challenges, like founding the business? I know obviously I asked you if you'd faced any challenges being like a black female, but yeah, has the business faced any big like hurdles that you've had to overcome along the way? I think hurdles wise is like, you know, for us, like our mission is to connect all the black professionals that like we want to get all of them, right? But then on one end, there's also the individual side of things, like 
we you know we're going big to get all more get them connected getting them plugged to opportunities but then there's still the every individual that needs it, every individual attention and how to kind of solve that on a scalable way is something that we do think about um, and I think that during this Black Lives Matter climate we had we were inundated and again we couldn't cope necessarily with the demand so I understand that we do need to scale and understanding that you know that that's important because they want they want to use black people but we can't or we're not able to deliver the service that we want to deliver because of like infrastructure or just because um you know it's just it we're still on our journey we're not where we we're not there where you need us to be yet and we are not the silver bullet either and so i think that's been the hardest thing for me because i'm such a kind of big vision person and, and want to like everything solved yesterday and very hard you know like i i want it that you work with us and then boom your whole company is transformed like obviously that it takes time especially if you're working with tens or hundreds of companies so i think that's been a challenge like the thought around okay how we interact with our clients how we help our members and for us we always want to be a platform where we plug opportunities so like let's say we've got these members any opportunity that we find that's benefits them we want to give it to them like here you know you can apply for this job you can apply for this scholarship you know hey there's this role here or there's this situation connect to this mentor you know we want to be that plug for them at the same time they want us to be more than that plug and be more inside so i think there's that way up that we do face and that we're always thinking about and how to do it on a scalable way because we have great impact already we have incredible testimonials from people that you know have got jobs or just benefit from byp but when again i look up and i'm just like this the problem is so wide and global and everywhere and everyone we all need help everywhere we need to find them it's like you know that battle of like trying to help everyone but then just helping who you can so no I can see that I can see that just from our conversation so far and with um, BYP do you have like restrictions on businesses or do you take any type of business and do you have more female-led businesses as obviously we've said you know females do struggle more in general or again is it a really good mix between male-led businesses, female-led businesses, and obviously sometimes they can be co-founded by both, can't they? So, yeah, no, we don't work with every company, if I'm honest. Um, I think there was, a, like, a tobacco company that we said no to, and, um, like, that kind of industry, gambling, maybe, I think we, we wouldn't work with. Like, kind of the standard that people don't work with. I know it sounds bad. Also, we do, like, other things. We do hold companies accountable, like the situation that happened with BBC News. You know, we had a conversation with them that, you know, we need to understand what next steps are because we can't put your roles on our job board and say work for BBC when black employees are saying they want to walk out. It just doesn't make sense, you know, like fundamentally. So we do hold companies accountable in that way as well. On our job board, it is easy for anyone to just post, but we do check them. And yeah, I think the majority of businesses we do work with is quite, is tech because tech businesses have been the ones that have been thriving. They're the ones hiring. They're the ones that want people. So it has been predominantly and in terms of the community we have more females than men in our community for sure I can't remember the stat I feel like it was 65% women or something I don't have stats on business owners per se I don't I don't know that that information but I know a good quarter of our community are business owners so again on our it must be more females than men just because of our platform but again that that's not necessarily true it might not be so i don't really know the answer to that but um i know that a lot of us are business owners we have side hustles we are trying to multi like diversify our income streams um and they just they do need that support 
Yeah, no, definitely. And that was what I was thinking, you know, as you said, women sometimes do struggle a bit more. So I wondered if there were more women on, on your network, which which completely makes sense. Let's talk for a minute about you again and some of your other achievements as you've been named, you know, not just Forbes 30 under 30, which is incredible in itself, but also on the Maserati 100 Innovators and the top UK 100 BAME leaders in tech and World Economic Forum Global Shaper. That list is insane. I mean, how how did it feel each and every time or just in general to have like that kind of portfolio behind you? You know, it's so, so interesting. I feel like I was talking to someone about this because some people see entrepreneurship, let's say they follow my journey and I do post like, hey, this happened, this great news. I don't post a had a crap day today. Like, you know, I'm part of the bad thing of social media technically and you know they want to be an entrepreneur because they want that right those accolades and stuff but it's not that we chase accolades it's like they come to you because it's like like I said we just get a lot of attention from BYP and also me personally like you know my background was academics and athletics so I've always been winning awards growing up which sounds kind of weird to say so it was never really a thing where I was like, oh my god yes let me grab yes award it was like oh thank you that means I'm on the right track that's what it always yeah. kind of feels like to me. Like, even when I was younger, you know, I remember I won Sportswoman of the Year, the like Young Sportswoman of the Year in my borough. That was the, probably the biggest award of the time. Like, wow, like, you know, and that felt really cool. And it's like, all right, cool, I'm on the right track, like, you know, in my sport. Um, or academics, like, a, you know, even in Florida, I won, like, a academic honour roll or something. Like, you know, it's been part of the journey, and I think it's the consistency of it is what I like to say to people. It's just like, you should be working hard and being proactive and doing what you need to do. And these things will just kind of come. And um, that's yeah. actually what's happened on this journey. So when one comes, I tend to be quite embarrassed actually to post it. Cause I'm like, Oh no, I don't want people to think here she is again with another award. <laughs> Cause it does look a lot. Like even when I think back, even I saw like some of the, like from when I went to Florida, cause they had to do a bio of all the things I'd done before Florida. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's, that seems like a lot. And then, you know, with entrepreneurship. So for me, it's like, it is amazing in the sense of, Kike, you're on the right journey, you're on the right track, you're doing, you know, keep going. Um, but I, I don't do it for them, basically. No, but also, like, I think even your reply is incredible in itself. It's it's very inspiring to others. And that's, like, one of the things that you said at the, at the beginning, you know, it's good to show other people you can do it. You know, it, it's, we, we can do it. Us females can do it. Us black females can do it. And, yeah, you know, one definite positive to come out of that I'm going to put you on the spot now and say not have you got a favorite award but was there one certain award that you received that you were like wow I really did not think that that would be me oh that is on the spot such a good question I think you know what I think the Forbes one is one of the ones where everyone knows and I do remember now like when some years ago, one of our, not my friend, but someone I went to uni with that I kind of knew, you know, he got an award. He got a full an award. And I remember me and my friends like, that's amazing. Like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, that's incredible. And that's how we felt when he received it all those years ago before I even started my business. You know, so I forgot about that, like the perception of it. So when I got the Forbes say, the reaction of it was insane. But I didn't realise it's like, that is what you reacted to it as well. Um, so much that my friend like had to organise like a, a celebration dinner because I wouldn't have done it. And it was actually a very nice moment of like, oh, wow, like, thanks, guys. I don't take things in enough and I don't celebrate enough. Like, that's something another podcast I've said, like, I'm always working on and I've done so much better over this pandemic. Like, I'm always full of gratitude. That's one thing I can always say. So I say that because that had a lot of impact of like, wow, like, 
I think others around me were like, well, okay, like, in, in, you know, inspiring them as well to be like, yeah, I'm going to start my own company. And a lot of people have. Oh, definitely. And looking at how far you've come in your life and how much you've achieved, if you could look back at your younger self now and give yourself a message, what would you say to yourself, the young Kike? It's funny you say that. I feel like so much of this is like I've been reflecting on in this period anyway. It sounds so weird. It's like one of the main things that have always stuck out to me. I remember when I was younger, I had a lot of doubt, like a lot of doubt, like um, anything, whether it's uh, exams or I had a competition or you know, I applied for a job or whatever it was, I had a lot of doubt. So I never believed like I'm going to get it or I'm always nervous and really just, it was just a lot. Like it was actually quite crippling. Well, to be fair, there was a moment it did cripple me. But anyway, and I remember once saying like, oh, imagine like things will always pan out. Like uh, we, I'd get the job or I'd get the grade or, you know, I'd throw the distance. So it always worked out. And I remember just thinking like, wow, like, what would you achieve if you actually just believed in yourself? <laughs> you know, like, and it stays with me till now because I never forget that moment when I said that because it was, because it was a lot, like it was a real problem of, of self-doubt. And I think a lot of people suffer from that, right? And I can generally say that where I am now today, I don't suffer with that. As in, I'm at a place where I'm just like, yeah, I expect good things to happen. Like, yeah, it's going to work out. Like, yeah, like I haven't even got started. You know, I'm I'm like, you know, I put something in the air. Like, even the fundraise, it was like, yeah, why, yeah, let's get it. Why shouldn't we raise that amount? You know, I've got a lot more faith and confidence. And I think that has even like accelerated things to be even better. Uh, whereas before, no, I, I was crippled by self-doubt. And I think, you know, if people can take one thing, I think, yeah, just really back yourself believe in yourself and and if anything let things go in a sense of like you want to achieve something okay just trust it will happen you know just keep going forward don't go crazy on that one thing just do it and just go forward and what will be will be and I think that's something I've definitely learned on this journey and that's what I tell my young self like just have faith (laughs) oh no that was that was really inspiring again and uh, just a little side question that I was just thinking as you were you were telling that do you miss the athletics and the javelin side and would you ever get back into it? You know what? I do always miss javelin. I can't pretend. Like, I did it for over a decade. Like, and it was, you know, so much fun. And, you know, I made loads of friends and all this stuff. And, you know, I think back at, like, you know, I, I, I know, I feel like I'm not done. Like, I know I still have that ability to throw that javelin far. I just, I stopped quite abruptly, right? So for me, I do miss it. And I do sometimes think, like, will I ever get back into it? And then I tell myself, yeah, but then I don't even go to the gym. So I don't know how. (laughs) So who knows? Maybe one day, you know, I've always said maybe one day. I haven't officially quit, but I don't know if I ever will because you need motivation and passion to get back into it. So maybe if I one day pick up a javelin again and I throw it, I'm like, oh, my God. But yeah, I do miss it, to be fair. No, it's a really cool like, story to, to part of the Kike world. And finally, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk to you, but finally, um, my question for you is, what does the future hold for both Kike and for the Black Young Professional Network? I think with BYP, it's very much scale now. Like, we do want to grow our members, you know, how do we get to millions of members? You know, how do we have the impact that we want in terms of like I said all the opportunities that we can give them really get them connected globally really get them into jobs working with these organizations but making that change and that impact that we can feel and see being more data driven with it as well and just kind of going forth in that way to be very impactful we have eight values I can't remember them all off by heart but they're on our website and they are pretty much about being that representation for the black community being the voice you know, being the place they can come to to network and to, 
you know, just feel safe. So we we want that. Like I said, it's still early days for us as far as we're concerned. I mean, you know, four years with two years full time is is still early. But that's what I'd want from BYP. You know, like all this is great, what's going on, but we just it's the ambition's so much bigger and I know it will happen. Personally, um, I think I'm always going to be quite an activist, you know, as a word. Or I call it proactivist, someone who is an activist, but she's doing, like, the work, the groundwork with it. I think that's just in my nature. Like, I, I just really hate injustice. And I have a real passion for human capital in general. So, you know, whether it's black people or just disadvantaged people, I just feel like there's so much potential in the individual and no one really focuses on that. And it's like, imagine if there were was a way to really harness that potential from people. Um, so I do have a lot of passion in that and like impact investing. And so I've got things that I'm quite interested in in general, but everything is about kind of making change and making the world a better place. And because I just don't get why it's the way it is. I genuinely, like, honestly, sometimes I just like, I just don't get why the world is like this. I don't get it. Like being about like, why is it so bad? Like, obviously there's great things from it, but... When you look at the destruction and the, like, corruption, you know, the amount of different things we, we battle, and it's like, but why? You, like, it could all just be so simple, you know? So that that is on my mind. But I guess the world has always been like that from history, right? There's only ever been 17 years collectively of peace time on the, on the world. So, yeah, I'm just... I think I'm going to be someone who is very... Still very proactive, very vocal in the future, and just in leadership positions where I can really make change. No, definitely, definitely. And like you say, it's such a deep question, but at the same time, it's such a simple question, like, why is the world like this? And sometimes you just sit back and think, and it's it's terrifying. I think it's weird. It's so weird. I don't get it. Everyone's mindset is different, right? Not everyone's thinking like this. Some people are just like, you know, I'm going to do what it takes, even if it means, like, stepping on other people's foot. Like, everyone has their own wiring, so that is why the world is like this. Can't expect everyone to think the same, so... But finding those that do and that do want the world to be better. And I think that's been a nice thing about millennials, as they like to say. We're all about climate change and harmony and unity because we've grown up with social media and we're like, we see destruction every day on our phones that it's like, no. (laughs) No, definitely. But no, it's been been amazing to learn about you, Kike, and to learn about the BYP, who is definitely trying to do something good to help in this world. So thank you so much for being my guest. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Serial Entrepreneur.